welcome to another episode of Jeff Isn't Working. I'm your host, Jeff Schroeder. Please welcome to the show, Miss Vicki Lynn. Vicki, how are you? I'm doing okay today. Good, 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 good. Um, I wanted to chat with you because I follow you on social media. Um, we've met a few times in, in real life pre-COVID uh, in the comedy scene, but I just wanted to catch up with you and just kind of introduce you to the people that listen to this podcast. And I just think you're a treasure and your audience needs to find you in a bigger, bigger mass. So I want to start with, uh, tell me, where did you grow up? Uh, well, I grew up, I was born in Rockford, Illinois. Okay. And then I grew up Beloit, Rockford and Mississippi, Corinth, Mississippi. So and Illinois was it like was a, and Mississippi. Was it like a back and forth kind of thing? Or was it like a little time here, a little time there? No, it was, just, <laughs> it was literally like my mother would wake up one morning and she'd be like, you know what? I think we're leaving. And I'm like, what? I got school tomorrow. Wow. So we just go wherever her heart desired, which was between those three places. Oh, and Arkansas. I also grew up in Arkansas a little bit. Okay. So those four places is where we had family. So she nice. would go back between the four of them. And where, where do most of, like, when you think back on your childhood, where do most of those memories take place between those, all of those Definitely places? Robert and Beloit. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I would say like 75% Beloit and then, you know, 20% Rockford and then, you know, the rest uh, Mississippi and Arkansas. Okay. Siblings, brothers and sisters? I have uh, two that I know of. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I'm in that boat too. Yeah, Papa was a Rolling Stone, so I have yes. a brother ten years younger than me, and I have a sister uh, on my father's side who was um, three, four years younger than me. Okay. And are you close with them? Were you close with them growing up, or were they kind of uh, in another? I, my brother, of course, he came in ten years later, and you know, of course, we grew up together. Okay. Uh, somewhat. Um, I was ten years older than him. And then my sister, I didn't find out about her until I was an adult, wow. even though we kind of grew up together. She was my cousin's best friend. Wow. So you knew yeah. her. Yeah. One day we were talking about fathers and I brought my father's name up and she was like, that's crazy. That's my father's name. I was like, yeah, right. That's she insane. Was like, oh, seriously. And then we ended up proving it. And I was like, oh, wow. So, yeah. A similar thing happened in fourth grade. Some girl, Dolly Stewart, came up to me and was like, is your dad Kenny Johnson? I'm like, yeah. She's like, my dad's Kenny Johnson. I'm like, what? Wow. And then I was like, you're lying. I went home and asked my mom. She's like, well, he is. Her mom and me were best friends when we were working together. And your dad got us both pregnant at the same time. So that's crazy. Shout out to my sister, Dolly. Right. Um, yeah, the, the 60s and 70s were wild. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yes, yes. But we're okay, here. Love and drugs. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So where where does the humor come from? Where does the where does the comedy come from? Always been funny? Trauma. Yeah, of course. Trauma. Of course. You know, um dealing with trauma, you know, the best way I knew how and that was making jokes of it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that like every traumatic thing that has ever happened to me, I can recall cracking a joke about it at like 10, five minutes after it happened. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's been really crazy. Like, it, uh, I remember this is, I don't know if this is too much for your podcast. There's but, no too much. There's no too much. Uh, I was I was sexually assaulted when I was 13 years old. And I remember my best friend at the time just uh, consoling me and hugging me. I was like, how are you going to rape somebody with that little big penis? <laughs> oh, my God. And she was like, not now. <laughs> oh, my God. But that's how my brain works, too. Like, that's just, it's, you know, you got to laugh. If you can laugh, 
it's not as scary it's not as you know dark it's not as tough yeah like gotta make the the best of it yeah definitely that's how it happens wow so and don't talk about anything you're not comfortable talking with but in that instance was that was it someone you knew or was it just like a random no it was it was um I was hanging out with a, uh, I was hanging out with a girl, and she was like, "Let's go to my friend's house," and and that's what happened. I was wow. Like, yeah, like you, you never know, and that's why I hate when they they tell women you have to do this and you have to do this. That won't happen to you. I'm like, yeah, no, I was just hanging out with a friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean. Did it affect how you raised your kids? Did it affect what you allowed them to do and where you allowed them to go? Yeah. You know, um, probably especially, well, I won't say especially my boys, but like I would do the weirdest things. Like I I would be laying in bed at night and then I would see something on TV and then it would make me remember and I'd go up and I'd shake them all awake like, don't you ever! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I tell my daughter, you know, like, there's nothing you can do to to avoid it, but, you know, just try to always recognize, you know, the symptoms. And I I, I was very honest with my children about everything traumatic yeah. that I had been through because I was just definitely dead set on not those things not happening to them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I think if you go through that, uh, those experiences especially as a young kid it affects your parents like my middle son has a male preschool teacher nothing wrong with it nothing wrong with it right but when he comes home from school it's like i interact with him differently i'm like did anybody help you with the bathroom did it you know what i mean because it's like i'm watching that motherfucker it, it really does <laughs> yeah it does and yeah it's constant you know, it, it affected the way I dated once I had kids. I yes. remember I dating a guy and he always wanted to wrestle or tickle my son. And one time he pulled my son on, on his lap and he was tickling him. I was like, all right, that's enough. We're done. It's over. Yeah. He yeah. was like, what did I do? Like my son is 10 years old. He does not need you tickling now. And right. that was it. So yeah, it affects everything for the rest of your life. Totally. Yeah, you know, totally. I, like, and because of my, fa- because I didn't have a father in the picture, you know, I would see girls interacting with their father and I would just get like, oh, like, that's gross. <laughs> like, yeah. And I now like, no, that's, that's what affection from your father looks like. Yeah. I remember being scary. a kid, my, my real dad left and I was raised by a wonderful stepfather, you know, um, but I remember seeing one of my friends was in the front seat and his dad just reached over and grabbed the back of his neck like with a little bit of affection and i'm like in the back seat just like silently bawling because i've I've just never had anybody like just do something simple like that you know like just it never felt comfortable enough for you know somebody to just be like hey son hey kid (laughs) right (laughs) exactly yeah it's it's weird how those things like even if you think you're over it how just seeing a setting will just a situation will flood it all back but you know i've gotten to the point where i can i can handle a majority of my trauma without without losing it you know yeah and i've always had the humor so that's right. Yeah, it it really is the best medicine. I mean, sometimes it can it can be too much of a deflection, and and you know. Yeah, I I've, <laughs> my humor has offended people a lot. That's why I'm like, I got I got to stay away from your funeral. Sorry, I can't come to your church. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. I just I don't know how to be quiet. I don't have filters, yeah. and usually as I'm thinking it, it's already coming out of my mouth. Totally. That was my first marriage. I swung at every pitch, any opportunity to make a joke, even if we're in the middle of a fight and she was crazy. So we were fighting all the time, but I just couldn't pass it up. Even nobody else was laughing. It was just for me, but you just, you have to. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. I've been in domestic violence situations too. Like you hit her (laughs) on. And then realizing 
Yeah, I'm a girl and I don't hit well at all. So that's a terrible comeback. But, you know, we get better. Yeah, definitely. Um, so coming into adulthood, were you still in the Rockford area, in the Beloit area? You uh, By adulthood, I was living in Beloit. Um, okay. I had had uh, my first son and I was pregnant with my second and I'm living with my my mother and my stepfather and my little brother and she woke up one morning again I was like you know what I think I'm going back to Rockford I was like lady I think I'm tired (laughs) (laughs) I'm just gonna stay here so I've been here for 31 years now wow yeah but Beloit is kind of cool because it's right in the middle of some of the best places in the midwest Definitely, like yeah. Within three hours, I can get to all the big cities in the in the Midwest. You know. Yeah, and it's. I mean, the Riverwalk. They redid the Riverwalk. It's beautiful in that area. I mean, yeah. Well, it's a cool little. I had friends, a friend Randall, whose parents lived there, but he lived with a foster family in in Wausau, Wisconsin. But every time he would come down, we'd go. His dad was a blues player named Lemmy D. Lemmy D. and the Fellas. And he was a character, man. He's no longer, I don't think he's with us any longer, but um, just a total trip. And we would go to Beloit and hang with him. It was a great time. But he would say like the craziest shit all, all the time, like just insane. But that's my that's my only connection really with Beloit. But it felt a lot like Freeport, Rockford, Beloit were like sister yeah. towns, yeah. you know, like same Yeah, they're same pretty shit. much all the same industry left yeah, and kind of you know, left everybody I, behind rock river everywhere the rock river goes is pretty much yeah. the people are pretty much the same yeah yeah definitely definitely so when did you get into when did you get into stand-up uh after i had a kidney transplant um okay. i had a kidney transplant in uh july of 2010 and so i was sitting here i'm like okay I've been sick since I was 12 and I've had all these goals and dreams. Comedy was definitely not one of them at all. But uh, I was like, you know, I'm gonna start saying yes to everything because I got to figure out who I am outside yeah. of the, the sick girl. I'm sure there's another version of me. And so two years later, I went to my first ever comedy show wow. and I held the comedian. <laughs> <laughs> I heckled the comedian and then I kid you not, I tell the story to everybody because I've been asking myself for two years, what are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? And a light just came down on nothing but the microphone stand. And I heard clear as day, you're going to do this. This is what you need to do. Yeah. And all the noise, it was blackness all around me and I, it was a full-fledged vision, epiphany, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And it was real. That's and awesome. it's like, okay. And I went up to the comedian afterwards. I'm like, boom, sorry for heckling you. And, you know, I think I can do this. And he was like, yeah, okay. I was like, I know you hear this all the time, but I really think, you know, I can do what you do. And he's like, all right. So I friended him on Facebook and, you know, he would like some of the things I said. And because I was always funny, yeah, always hilarious. And and then like that was like June. And then September, he was like, hey, uh, you think you can do five minutes at this show? Open up for me. And I was like, OK. And so got to the show and the person who was supposed to host the show was you know, incognigros, so they were like, hey, can you host this whole show? And I took a shot of vodka and I was like, let's go for it. Yeah. I hosted the whole show and I only had five minutes of material, but my whole entire family was there, all my friends were there. So I'm like, okay, I know I, I at least can make half of this audience laugh. Right, yeah, absolutely. I hosted the whole show and fell in love with hosting and then my friends who own bars they would let me come in and and do shows and whatnot so that's how i i started i had never been to an open mic i just started doing that <laughs> because i had i have friends and places yeah that's awesome though i mean mics i've talked to a few comics about the open mic philosophy it's great but the culture has changed so much that now it's just people reading their notebook you know, you're yeah. not really testing material. 
Yeah, it feels like an audition waiting to work. Yeah, right, right. I mean, it's good if you want to hear it out loud and the yeah. timing and everything, but that's about it. You're not getting a response from, you know, 16 yeah. school shooters in the audience. I still love open mics. I don't get to go as much as usual because I'm back on dialysis, you know. So, you know, um, open mics are usually during the weekdays. Yeah. yeah. So I'm tired. So I had to start my own. <laughs> yeah. I saw that. That's awesome. And how's that going? Oh, it's, it's, it's well. I think last night was the first time we ever had just like me and two other comedians there. So. I was like, you know what? We just gonna treat this like a group therapy session. Anybody yeah. want to get on the mic and talk about stuff? We can, and that's what yeah, happened. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. And I when always you try leave... to the best of every situation. Like we here, let's yep. make it a moment. And when you leave space like that, organic shit tends to happen, and that's way better than if you tried to plan it out. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and plus. Uh, Marcos Lara has a show, an actual show, like a block down the street <laughs> at the same time. So, does he ever come by after and get up? Or no, uh, we're, I'm pretty sure we're we're in and out of there. Like we okay. start at seven, he starts at eight, and by the time he's getting started, we're you know already wrapping going up. down. Usually, if I I didn't have dialysis that day, I would head down there. But afterwards, I'm just like. Bad. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So dialysis, you talked about the kidney transplant. The kidney transplant took, yeah, right, like you for, and, for uh, ten years. Ten uh, years, okay. Transplant that worked. Okay, and then what happens? It just stops responding yeah, to your body. In my, case, um, in my case, one of my medications started uh, poisoning me. Oh, jeez. So it was a catch-22. Like, it was a medication that was, you know, making uh, the kidney transplant work, but it had also, you know, started poisoning my system. So my kidneys, you know, started uh, rejecting. Wow. Yeah, it's amazing. I always try to talk to people about, you know, medication, and if you can avoid it, please at all costs try to you know yeah. i know we all love food and fast food and good stuff but like we got to be careful yeah you i know, know your your message on social media the most important organ but really is what you put in your stomach yeah i know you've been you've been talking about uh clean eating healthy eating for a while yeah i was i was uh I was a hardcore vegan for three years. <laughs> <laughs> hardcore vegan for three years. Got my condescending, uh, condescending bitch certificate almost immediately. <laughs> yeah, and then my mother passed, and I was just like, yeah, "What's yeah. the point?" So that was that was that was grieving where I just started eating whatever. Totally. But yeah. I still don't like really buy meat. Like, yeah, I don't I eat unless I go, unless I leave the house. And I think that's a win, you know, it's like going from eating meat for every meal, three meals a right. day to, oh, I, I don't even think about it really anymore. Like, right. that's a win. I don't, like, there's some turkey in my uh, refrigerator right now, but it's usually because people give me stuff. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like a Beloit charity case. People are always saying, do you need something? I'm bringing you stuff, so... That's awesome. Yeah. They've, they've been real good to me. I make a joke like my mother died and then she jumped in all y'all bodies because <laughs> I didn't need anybody as long as I had her. Yeah. Now you yeah. got a million hers. Now I got so surrounding you. Yeah. Who will who will show out for me as I yeah. like to say. They really will. And That's I'm, awesome. Just in that aspect to have a circle of people like not even like friends, like some people I've only known for a few months, a few years that they will, you know, really just go to bat for me. Yeah. Well, I think even just watching you from a distance on social media, you're such a bright light and you're such a great spirit, you know, like you, you handle this adversity with such poise and grace and humor that it's, you, you just want, I, I just want you to win. Like, for example, whenever you post from like the hospital and you're like, I, you know, this is the doctor that I cussed out last time. Like, 
I love it. I love it. I really be cussing out people who can take me out with an air bubble. Like, I do it all the time. <laughs> when I left dialysis it was a Wednesday. I yeah, was it Monday or Wednesday? It was. It's a nurse in there who who uh, was torturing me and terrorizing me for for a little while, and it was during the whole process situation where I wasn't really, you know, focusing on who I've become. I was just like, I can't believe I'm back here. This is terrible. Yeah. I hate this. And so she was terrorizing me a little bit and I, I I wasn't being myself. I didn't have a comeback. I wasn't, you know, doing anything like, you know, she ripped a bandage off of me while I was sleeping ripped the stitches out and ripped skin off of my, oh off of my, my body. I was just like, hey, a warning next time. Yeah. And she didn't say anything. She just stared at me. And I was like, it was like a couple months of her just making snide comments and snickering and rolling her eyes at me and staring at me until I finally was like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I just remember. <laughs> I just remember who I am. Like, yeah. you don't pick the right one, baby. So now I roast her every time she gets near. Good. Because I tried to complain, and I'm like, hey, she's doing this stuff to me. I'm like, no, everybody thinks she's amazing. I was like, they thought that of Ted Bundy, too. Like, <laughs> right. So now every time she gets near me, I just I just roast the hell out of her. Good. <laughs> so Good. Like, yeah, I, like, they're about to put me under, and I'm just like, oh, my goodness, you look terrible. Have you been drinking? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so bad. There's, but there's nothing worse but, than people that shouldn't be doing the job that they're doing. Yeah, like you, your heart's not in it. You're not built them, for it. You know? Yeah. I need a, I need to find a better way to deal with them. But just it's like every situation, just like in our, you know, in our business, there are some people who shouldn't be doing this. Totally. Yeah. And with much like success sometimes. Please the health, the health lawyers, everybody. In yeah. every industry, there are some people who should not be doing this. Totally, totally. Um, I think that yeah. um, I think after the pandemic, there needs to be kind of just a social retraining. I feel like people yeah. are a little they're not used to being out in public anymore. They're not used to being around people. They don't know how to talk to people anymore. Yeah, I get that. I get that. It's like everybody's conversation is a Facebook meme now. <laughs> yeah. Or like, you know, you go into a restaurant anywhere, even to just have something to eat. Like, I'm not snobby. I don't expect like, you know, fine dining service, but like just the general attitude now, it's like, if yeah. you're not happy, let's let's think of other things. Because this, let's your, your you heart's back. not in this. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. This is let's this. Like, I feel I, like I'm hurting you right now. <laughs> like I know a job for sure you can make money at. Okay, there's there's a genre of the phone sex industry that loves rude people. That's true. Yeah, that's true. There are a lot of miserable rich men that will pay to be belittled and berated. Yeah, and I know because I was I I was one. For, really? Yeah, for like ten years. That's how I paid bills for ten years. Really really wait so talk to me about that so you would you be hooked up with a service that would transfer to your phone or you had to go somewhere to do it uh no I it was it was I was at home I was raising kids, with kids. <laughs> let me see my oldest is 30 so 10 years ago he was you know 20 and then I had a 18 18 16 and 14 year old at home so I would have to sit in my car in the driveway at wow. night while there was yeah wow mama's so on the phone baby years and it took care of the bills you know it took care of them so yeah that I mean how did you feel about doing it? Did you enjoy it? I mean, was it like something that like it, it was fun, like it was entertaining or was it, you know, it was it was just like life. Yeah. Beautiful and terrible. Yeah. <laughs> right. 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 Just like life, Good days, and bad terrible. days. Yeah. And I started looking at white men like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. because that was a majority of my. Yes. Calls. Yeah. Yeah. Like if I'm gonna get called the N word, at least I'm getting two ninety nine an hour for. Wow. I mean a minute for it. Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah. So it, yeah. And now, like, I still do the texting. Like, I still do the texting part of it. I don't like to talk anymore because it's it's warped. Yeah. My my um my thinking when it comes yeah. to relationships and dating, but I still do the texting part. You know. Yeah. Because I a, a lot of regulars over the years. Sure. Yeah. I I mean it's a. I've never been close to it in that regard, but I have worked with female bartenders. I had their, I mean, it's essentially the same thing. These old perverted yep. dudes would come in at, you know, every night, sit at the bar. And every time I walk by, I'm like, you good? They're drinking beer. Right. They're like, no, I'm good. I want her to, <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, pervert, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and, and I just feel for any sex worker now, especially if you have to do it in person. <laughs> Like oh, yeah. if I'm now I'm just be like, <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Oh man! Like, all my love and light to you. You, you the real MVP. Yeah. Growing up in Freeport, I remember like probably in fifth or sixth grade, the summer of fifth or sixth grade. It went from like relay races in the middle of the street with all the families that lived around us to like the crack epidemic. It felt like overnight, like you'd have crackheads washing cars around the corner and, you know, shining rims and stuff. And like, you know, people that I knew in the neighborhood, older people like started getting, you know, strung out and shit. And just as a kid, it's like, you know, seeing, it feels like it happened immediately and just, you know, wipe so all these people quick. out. Yeah. It was so quick. Matter of fact, there was a club in my neighborhood called Mr. D's Den. And it went from the night spot and, you know, where everybody, you know, went, get drunk, do cocaine in the bathroom or whatever and whatnot, to a drug rehabilitation center. Wow. Wow. And I was like, I always used to make a joke, like the same people are going in there. <laughs> <laughs> like the same people, they have the same clientele. Yeah. So yeah. That, yeah how, how, that's how much it changed. It was like, it's like 88 to 92. I'm like, whoa. Yep. So. Yeah. Shit got weird. And like, I was talking to a buddy of mine who used to, you know, dabble in that and he was like his theory is it had to be the government because what drug dealer is gonna ruin that potentially ruin their supply experimenting with how to make it more like you know what i mean it's like a chemist came and said hey look here's how you do it you can stretch it out a little bit more it's way more addictive go and sell it in your community and yeah exactly yeah. and we didn't have we didn't know people like that in our neighborhood <laughs> right so, yeah we know it was the government now you know we know totally it was. totally and it was the the most effective part someone said i can't remember who said it but they said crack made two addicts it made one addicted to crack and one addicted to money and quick money and fast cash and i remember like you know, all of a sudden the cars look different and, you know, people had wads of cash. And I was a little bellhop boy at A&W and a dude pulled up in a, you know, old car and started peeling money. And I was like, damn, where'd you get all that money? You know? <laughs> yeah. 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 And then nineties, all like a lot of black men and young black men just disappeared. Whether you yeah. were selling crack or crack, they just yep. disappeared. Yep. That's where the strong black woman thing got real because we had to do for self. Yeah, all the men gone. Totally. I mean, mass incarceration, mass incarceration. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. And you love Bill Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> we loved his ass. Yeah, I remember people would say, you know, Bill Clinton's first black president. It's like, no, oh, hold on, pop the brakes. Between NAFTA and the prison pipeline, I think, you know, yeah, case it, could be made that. Ooh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just grateful that you know, 
everything worked out, you know, especially me coming from, you know, my mother, my aunt were drug dealers. And, you know, it was just, I'm just like, thank God they didn't get the weapon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Had to be really selling, you know, a large amount of drugs as a woman to to get locked up in that area. In that yeah. Area. Yeah, it's crazy. It is. But I'm grateful that my mother, like, who sold drugs and used drugs, she was always honest with us. So, yeah. Aside from marijuana, I have never done drugs other than what the doctors prescribed. Yeah. Which yeah. sometimes is worse than. Yeah. She used to terrify us. Yeah. <laughs> and they're telling us stories. We'd be like, holy crap. Like I'm 10, lady. But right. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. People, my wife and I joke. She's like, you know, you probably were with a lot of girls in high school and stuff like that. I'm like, my high school health teacher was my gym teacher. He showed us the Ryan White story and was like, <laughs> we don't know where AIDS comes from. You'll probably get it, you know, by hugging and kissing girls. So don't do that. Assume everybody's got <laughs> it. And, <laughs> and that was my whole high school career was just like, if I, if I made out with a girl, I was in the mirror. Like, is that a lesion? Is that, a, is that a bump? Oh, I got a, I got, is that a zit or is that? We needed your health teacher. <laughs> we needed your health teacher. <laughs> because I was the biggest holder in the <laughs> I'm so lucky to be alive. Yes. Man, that stuff. And like as a kid, I remember, you know, 17, 18, then the rumors. Everybody's got it. Oh, you know she's got it. Oh uh, yeah. Except the fat girls. <laughs> <laughs> But we'd be at parties and be like, oh, yeah, she's epidemic. Yeah. Oof, man. Wow. Good and time. Now, now, like, I have friends that are, you know, HIV positive. They got the cocktails and, you know, the, the medications, and it's suppressed to the point where it's almost undetectable. Like, yeah. It's amazing it's, where it's, science it's, has come with that. It is. I'm. Like I said, I was, I was, I'm so blessed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm so blessed. <laughs> I'm so blessed. Absolutely. So That's tell me about. I, I was worried with COVID. I was like, please. I survived <laughs> AIDS. I'm going to be all right. And right. I didn't get COVID until it was, until we were going down. And wow. then I got COVID. And I just went in the kitchen and made me some tea. <laughs> and how bad was your, were your symptoms? I mean, were were you scared because of your other health conditions? No. Really? I, and and my family, they hated me because I wasn't terrified. They were so mad at me. I won't say hate. They were so mad at me because I did not take it seriously. Because I'm like, I've survived so many things. Right. If I get COVID, oh, well. Yeah. Oh, well, and, you know, me being who I was for, you know, three years, um, be being vegan, I knew how to heal that. Yeah. I knew how to heal that. I always tell people if I had known what I know now when I first got kidney disease, I would be all right. I wouldn't yeah. have went through most of the stuff because I would know what herbs and what foods and, you know, what to do to yeah. heal myself. So when I got COVID, I was, I think I was only really sick for like four days. Wow. Yeah. And uh, the only thing scary that happened is I woke up, somebody was hugging me in my bed and I turned around and I seen an Afro. I'm like, oh, that's my daughter. Cause she was worried about me because no one, no one <laughs> had heard from me for two days. Yeah. I was yeah. not out. And then she woke me up. I'm like, oh, no, I'm sick. And I went through the exact same thing when I had pneumonia. So I was out of it for a couple of days. I drove myself to the hospital. It was like, how did you get here? I was like, I drove. She was like, are you serious? I was like, I know I'm a superhero. And then I passed out <laughs> from fever. <laughs> then I passed out from fever. I woke up there. I was like, how did I get here? They're like, you could have died, lady. <laughs> <laughs> so I wasn't worried about COVID at all. I had all my 
my tricks and home remedies and I had everything. So when I got yeah. sick, I, I went to the hospital and made sure that was that's what it was and not pneumonia because I was more terrified of pneumonia than COVID. And I went in there and I opened my, uh, I have a junk drawer of herbs and teas and stuff. So I opened the drawer, I'm like, okay, what do I need? And I just yeah. made tea every day and I didn't eat anything. And, you know, by that fourth day, I was like, okay, I think I'm gonna live. That's awesome. Yeah, my biggest worry is choking on food. <laughs> <laughs> choking on food or being in a car accident. I'm like, I've survived all these things and then I'm gonna choke on chicken or right. get killed in a car crash. That's yeah. Um, illness, I'm not really worried about it. Well, that I'm I'm glad you survived it. I'm glad you're on the other. You didn't lose your taste or anything like that. Smell. Yeah, yeah. You I did. lost all that, but I was asleep for three days. <laughs> but only for the three days. I mean, it wasn't like long term or anything like that. No, no. Uh, I think within like two weeks you know i could i could smell again and okay. and then a couple of days later i could taste again because you know i was doing the, the smell therapy i was smelling peppermint and strong smells yeah trying to get my smell back yeah that that's what i am scared of it's like i'm not scared of dying from it getting it and dying i'm scared of not tasting food <laughs> and i know right. That says a lot about me, but that's that's who I am. Like, and we all have our little <laughs> right. Like, man, never taste the food again. That does sound awful. Right. My mother-in-law can't smell. Terrible, because then we really gonna be just eating to live. Right. Right. And it's all texture based. Like, yeah, can you right. imagine some textures of foods uh, that you love without that taste? And be like, yeah. tortellini. What is this? What? I got through it. Everything. That's I, awesome. I almost everything that can happen to a, to a human, to a black woman, to a woman. I've I've, I've pretty much been through. Yeah. So I, I don't have any like real worries. Like I'm scared of the dark. <laughs> I'm terrified of the dark. Like it's always got to be some light on in the house. Yeah. Yeah. When I was, I remember being like 15, 16 years old and my parents would go out on the weekends and I would watch Unsolved Mysteries on like Friday by myself. <laughs> I, and now it's on Netflix. I think it's on Netflix. One of the streaming times, I was like, oh yeah, shit, I'm gonna check them. it out. And it's the exact yeah, it's same. Cool. At 44, yeah. I'm still scared every yeah. time. I've dun, gotten dun, more dun. scared of things as I've gotten older. It's 100%. weird. Like I, I'm... I was a horror fanatic. My mother was a horror fanatic. So now, you know, watching horror movies, I'm like, oh my God, I'm terrified. I can't, <laughs> I'm covering my face where I used to be like, oh, this is it. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. As oh. I've, gotten, I've gotten, you know, more terrified of things like that. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't enjoy being startled when I was younger. I'd, I'd live for that in the theater, but like those jump cuts, like, <laughs> you know. When right. I was an adult, I'm like, please don't be somebody around this corner. This <laughs> <laughs> is this. This is my knife and my, uh, <laughs> my brass knuckles. Like, they're always next to me. Yes. Yes. Like, ah. Okay. Like, when yeah. I go do shows now, they're like, like, oh, we could. Is that a problem I see? <laughs> And my grandson was like, Nani, why do you keep that? Why do you keep have your knife on you all the time? Why? I was like, because I'm pretty and I go to strange places. That's right. That's right. Keep yeah. that thing on you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And my brother won't he won't give me a gun because I my special effects are pew pew, blah blah. <laughs> like I'm not getting you a gun. I'm like, but I need one. <laughs> Yeah, I'm terrified. <laughs> so, walk me through. More terrified you, of a ghost than I am of somebody and being in my house. Do you believe in ghosts? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, once again, going back to my mother, there was like we just have like this 
thing that runs in our family where we see things and we know things and we dream yeah. things and you know have visions like I said when I tell people how I got into comedy about everything getting dark and that light coming down and that voice you know I believe in in the supernatural and things of that nature yeah me too I I think after after Bible college I was like a associate pastor at this real you went to Bible college oh yeah yeah there's this real like backwards church in Belvedere and the pastor was like this just disgusting dude um and it really turned me off to it but I came to religion by way of like I was you know getting into the wrong shit in Freeport like little gangbanger and this youth pastor Steve Barr who's now dead um great guy just kind of took me in and was like you know where you, where's this going what are you doing right. I dropped out of high school 16 years old second time in the ninth grade um and he was just like where, where do you want to be and I just didn't really have any vision it was just like in Freeport that's what you did you worked hard you know saved you a little bit of money got drunk on the weekends and did it all again the next week and he got me into the college that he graduated from this Bible college in the middle of Iowa. And I was like radically zealous when like I quit, you know, I started going to church. Like I was, I was the right candidate for that because all I needed was like a little bit of hope and a little bit of opportunity. And it was like, okay, cool. Yeah, I got this. And then when I got to Bible college, I realized that like most of those kids were like pastors, kids, missionaries, kids, they hated religion they were so jaded by it right. I was like yeah. the kid that was like let's just talk about like let's just go feed homeless people let's just go you know and they're like whoa, whoa 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 that's not what we do here you know we argue about things here and so I just got jaded by the whole thing and wrote it off because I, that was my only kind of lens into the spiritual like I did I, I did experience real things like I did experience like things that like to this day i'm like there's no other way to explain it there's than... no other explanation and so i've like the smarter the... i get like, yep still can yeah that situation yeah and during the pandemic i just kind of like cracked open that door a little bit and was just like i'm open to whatever it is the universe the higher self you know m- mother father whatever like i'm not afraid i'm not you know, I, I just want to walk in that because I think that like life is short and we're here to learn something. And it's it's been kind of crazy. Like this whole thing came from that. It was like Jeff isn't working. Like up to this point, I thought the world was one thing, work, accumulate money, get status, you know, and then the pandemic just proved that none of that shit matters. None yeah, of that shit matters. And see, I was like that before the pandemic even right. hit. I, you right. know, I started coming like this. You know what? This this work, eat, sleep, repeat is terrible. terrible. And I, I never I could never last long at a job because I'm like, this is terrible. Right. Like right. this is terrible. I'm a creative anyway, so I just couldn't get with the nine to five, you mm. know. And when the pandemic hit, I was like, crap, I got to go get a real job because all my clientele from the phone, they're at home. <laughs> they're at home with their wife. They can't call me. Right. <laughs> like, I got to go get a real job. Right. Yeah. So I worked in a restaurant for six months. I'm like, oh, my goodness. The general public is terrible. <laughs> terrible. But terrible. Yeah, work, working is terrible but but back to the the spirituality thing of it all like i truly believe that we can't experience as much spirituality as there used to be because of um all the pollution not not water pollution i mean wi-fi and everybody's yeah. on their phone so we can't hear and see and feel like we used to because it's too much wire yeah. pollution. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I think my hope is that my kids or maybe their kids will see the value in just completely detaching from 
uh, like not as individuals, but as like a collective, because, you know, in, in our lives, we saw the beginnings and the formations of all that technology. And yeah. we're still enamored by that. It can happen. Like I'm, I'm of an age where, you know, every time there's an update and something cool comes on, like, damn, they can do, you can have a video technology. <laughs> right. This right. is crazy. Right. My kids are my kids are kind of like squares though. Like good. they all have a Facebook page, but I'm on Facebook more than they are. <laughs> like yeah. they don't gloves, they don't drink, they don't like. Well, they they have their liquor moments and their weed moments, uh, but they're like they don't do anything that I did, and that's probably because I. I, I was real honest with them, but yeah, yeah. they they aren't on social media talking about the latest celebrity. They aren't in the club, you know, twerking and drinking and arguing. <laughs> they they are I I'm like my best friend says I don't know why you're shocked, but I am so shocked that I raised these amazing individuals. Yeah, yeah. well, I'm not shocked. Because I think that. Like, why are you shocked? You're amazing. You're an amazing individual. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. We don't yeah. always see that for ourselves, right. you know. I always apologize to my kids. I'm like, I'm so sorry, you know, for everything I put y'all through, you know, because I was just a lost child and I didn't know what to do. But yeah. I knew I had great intentions. Like, I know I love these children, you know. But I'm gonna beat that ass. <laughs> like, <laughs> but that's what shines through. I mean, Abby won't let us, won't let me discipline the children the way that I was disciplined growing up, but right or wrong. But I never walked away from my parents thinking like, I hate you. Maybe in the moment, you know, I was like, my pride was hurt, my ego was hurt. But like, I understood the purpose of it. I understood that like, without that, I'd probably be a much worse version of myself. Yeah. And, I know I was because I didn't get a lot of whoopings. Yeah. I yeah. did not. I was like, maybe if I'd have got my ass whooped, <laughs> right. I wouldn't have been a whole during the AIDS epidemic. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been drinking at 12 and 13 years old. But, you know, it wasn't that that made me whoop my kids. It was just this teenage, I was a teenager and I was angry. Yeah. Yeah. And everything made me mad and I lashed out. And yeah. it wasn't them, it was all the trauma I had been totally. through. Yep. Coming out, you know. So for, for it me wasn't them. with my middle son, I see so much of myself in him with the ADHD that I get so scared. I'm like, life is gonna be so hard for you. Cause it was I lived that I was in the BD class, I was in the you know, special education because they thought I was, you know, stupid. It's I couldn't pay attention. I couldn't sit in a chair for eight hours a day, you know, Which and learn the same not. shit. They shouldn't. They shouldn't. And so I get so afraid that I want to like, you know, just be like, if you just do this and be cool, nobody's gonna mess with you. You know, I'm like, that's kind of the, but I also, there's another side of that where I just want him to, you know, be his authentic self and fuck the world if they don't, you know, understand that. Right. That's and a harder I, position to take. I realize now that I have ADHD. Yeah. Like I looked into it. I'm like, oh shit, I have ADHD. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to get this diagnosed because I'm already tired. <laughs> I'm already <laughs> right. tired of health professionals. And, right. Um, you know what? That's what it is. And and I see it in, um, in my uh, youngest son. And I have an autistic... Um, grandbaby and so I think my daughter's always like you're so patient with him I was like because I'm realizing now that your brother had autism and yeah. it didn't get diagnosed and I'm realizing that I had you know issues that didn't get diagnosed and I'm like yep. damn it my grandparents were cousins but also <laughs> you know it's like it, it I'm thankful for this this creativity that yes. came along with not being able to focus yeah and i've learned at 44 it wasn't me that was broken the the whole system the system is broken yeah it wasn't system. me that was broken yeah like you know i don't learn this way i learn that way or yep. you know it's it's a system like i heard somebody say once like 
everything has changed, but the school system is still operating the same way it always has. Yeah, yeah. So, I think, I mean, I'm a little bit of a conspiracy theorist there because I think that it's designed to teach kids to, you know, sit still for eight hours, not ask questions, you know. To be employees. Yep, follow simple direction. Yeah. Don't be disruptive, yeah. Yeah, yeah I it's, think it needs a rework. Teach them to be uh, employees and prisoners. <laughs> yeah, yep, exactly right. Exactly That's right. It. Keep making the man that money. That's right. So tell me about what you're doing now. Tell me about all of the all of the things that you're doing now. It's so much. I know. I tell people I'm I'm so busy doing everything and nothing, and it's because like you know I don't know how much longer I have here. Sure. You know. Yeah. So at this this last time that I got sick, I'm like, okay. You got to stop lollygagging. I know you've been enjoying comedy, but you came here to do other stuff. So um, 2021, I got published in Chicken Soup for the Soul. Congratulations. Um, I'm speaking now. I published two books. Uh, one, uh, a small book of poetry called Pause. And then uh, The Reformed Hoes Guide to Whole Life. <laughs> a tip. A tip for all the holes, pre-holes, old holes, you know. <laughs> and I'm working on a second, second uh, book, um, a second version of that because I forgot a lot of, a lot of hole tips. Trying <laughs> 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 to get it out there. Yeah. To prove to myself that I could write a book and get it published. Yeah. And um, I paint. I'm a painter. I've started painting. I started painting in May of 21 because I used to draw when I was younger. Yeah. And I saw this quote, everything you could do when you were a kid, you 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 were gifted in that. You just, you know, got distracted from it. And I was like, yeah, yeah I fell in love with penis and forgot that I could draw <laughs> and paint. And so I started doing that. And I run the Black Women in Business Expo Beloit, which is an organization that um, puts a spotlight on black business in the area because I, when I grew up in Beloit and Rockford, Mississippi and Arkansas, there were black businesses that were prominent that yeah. we depended on. And somewhere along the line, they disappeared. Yep. And so that's what I do. I'm trying to put the spotlight on those that are struggling to get back or those that are starting up businesses, I promote those on a page um, on Facebook. And I have expos twice a year, one for the women, one for the men and the women. And what else? Um, I'm still doing comedy. I just started doing comedy again on a regular basis. All of my April was booked. That's awesome. I was just like, you know what? I got all these jokes in me and they have to come out. And so I booked myself for the entire month of April. And uh, I'm done with the shows now as of Tuesday. Tuesday was my last show of the month. And I'm like, okay, now it's break time. And we have the Gemini Black Business Expo coming up May 28th. So May I don't 28th. Wanna... Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, May 28th. Uh, Saturday, May 28th in Beloit, Wisconsin at the uh, Eclipse Event Center. Um, it's in the old mall in Beloit. Something else has gone, the malls. Yeah. But uh, let me see. And then June, I will be in Freeport. Oh. Yeah, for the NAACP comedy show. Yes. Me, me, Sean Morgan, Kevin Hawes. I'm hosting. That's so awesome. I, I forgot because my other phone is plugged up out in the car. Because <laughs> you got to have two phones. <laughs> That's right. Well, what we'll do is we'll put links to all of all of the upcoming stuff that you have so people yeah, can, was, can was, access it for sure. Everything. Um, yeah. So I'm just trying to do every creative thing I've ever wanted to do because yeah. I knew I was four years old. I knew everything I wanted to do when I was four years old. Yeah. Just got distracted. It's crazy because like I literally thought about the uh, same way. I knew from a young, young age, I was 15 years old. My summer school teacher, Miss Morris, then her last name is uh, different now, but her then husband ran this 
group called Essence of Men. And it was like, <laughs> you know, professional black men in the community. And she's like, you're funny. Right. You should, he's doing a comedy show. You should do this comedy show. And I was like, little white kid, you know, 15 years old doing comedy. And that first laugh. Yep. I was just like, this is, this is crack. This is heroin. Like I can't, and I knew in that moment, but it took 40 years, it took 30 years from then to get rid of the imposter syndrome, you know, where you just right. feel like I really am this dope. Right. I really right. am good at these things. Right. Today, my daughter came and I, I have a, a, a canvas sitting on the uh, easel and she turned around and she was like, oh, whoa. And I'm like, what? Is somebody out there? And she's like, mom, this is great. What is it going to be? What's happening? And I'm like, it's just colors. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. You don't always see how amazing we are. And and sometimes I wish I could, you know, because I still fight with that. But yeah, I do know that I am a dope individual. Hell you yeah. Know? I do believe that if you are creative in one thing, you can be creative in other things totally. that don't yeah because comedy was never on my list yeah i was journalist artist ballet dancer a poet an author you know a tv anchor and an actress i knew at four years old i wanted to do all those things comedy was never on the list yeah so and here i am that's that's the thing that i'm known most for <laughs> right now right, right now. now yes books yeah where can people get your books i don't want to be famous because you know famous people have to go through too much and i still want to go to walmart at 3 a.m if they ever open back up oh yeah and and get peanut butter and jelly (laughs) right yeah like i always said you know if i ran into dean koontz stephen king i wouldn't know them right away right right so i want book author famous i want to be author famous yeah i'm cool with that I'm cool. As long as I can just still do my thing and yep. people aren't bothering me, I'm cool with that. Where can where can people get your books? Where can people buy your uh, stuff? Right now from me. <laughs> I okay. had, had them on the Etsy platform, but it's just too much. <laughs> sure. <laughs> too much to keep up with. So if you inbox me, you send me the money electronically, I will send you the book. Okay. Okay. And I sell them at my shows. You know, whenever you see me, I have my shows. Uh, I have my books with me. And I was doing uh, all natural skincare, you know, when I went down that vegan uh, rabbit hole, it led to me making my own, you know, yeah, uh, hygiene products too. But I don't do that as much because it takes a lot of energy and dialysis is sure. messing with my energy. So yeah, I always have everything that I make with me except for the paintings I've gotten too big <laughs> yeah. yeah well that's awesome that, that, well I'm a real like comedy it's become addicted and I want to just do it all the time yeah well that so, that's part of the beauty of of ADD is the hyper focus yeah, like, yeah and it's real like it's yeah. real ADHD with um, bipolar disorder so when I'm up I'm up Yep. When I'm down, I'm just down. Like I laid yeah. on my couch all day today. I did yeah. not move because it was just it was hard. Because gotta have those days. I'm done doing something. I'm like, okay, what do I do now? And then <laughs> I just lay around and be depressed about it. Like I'm not yep. productive. I'm not doing anything. But I've learned that this rest, this downtime, it is productive. I'm taking yeah. care. Of Absolutely. Me. Absolutely. Even like I get in those zone out moments where i'm just like staring at the wall just like my mind's doing whatever it's doing wherever it's at but i'm my not wife aware. will be like yeah my wife will be like what are you doing i'm like huh like and that's relaxing to me just sitting there and just staring you know just like you're so lucky to have found somebody who fits in with that uh, because every time i find somebody that i think will fit in with that i'm like oh you're crazy is more <laughs> <laughs> it's worse than mine and I right can't we're not (laughs) school social work is the way to go (laughs) yes yeah so you can find me at vicky lynn's universe um everywhere that i am facebook um twitter i don't really use that too much it's too much yeah and instagram 
Yeah. So Facebook and Instagram. I have Snapchat. I have Twitter. I have all those other things, but I'm never on there. Just on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. Well, we'll check you out. I have Facebook and Instagram at Vicky Lynn's Universe for both of them. Yeah, Vicky Lynn. Perfect. No, well, yeah, my Facebook page, Vicky's Li- Vicky Lynn's Universe, and on Instagram and on Snapchat and on Twitter, Vicky Lynn's Universe. Awesome. And it used to we'll- be Vicky Lynn's cult because I, I, I wanted <laughs> to be like God to people, but then sure. I realized, like, nope, I just want to share the space. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, although I do think, like, I watched that Waco thing, and I'm like, man, it wouldn't be hard. It wouldn't be hard to get, you know, like, a hundred people. What is it with the uh, lady with the hair? Uh, I just watched it. My mind is trash. Lady with the hair. is um, The weight weight loss religion. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yes. I watched that, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> Why can't I want to just manipulate people like this? Because <laughs> uh, I can do it. It's so easy. And it's so easy, especially if you're white, though. <laughs> we we had a pastor at the church that I worked at. Uh, he left and did like a multi-level marketing thing and got all of his like parishioners in yeah. under him, and he's. He blew up. Yeah, I can't I mean, even say it even if you white though, because you know, I'm not I'm not a I'm not a religious person. A lot of people don't know that because I'm so, you know, kind-hearted and giving yeah. inspirational. A lot of people just automatically assume that I believe in a sky daddy and I don't. Yeah. It, and um <laughs> so when they're like <laughs> Oh, I can see God in you. I'm like, nope, those are just my titties, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it would be it would be so easy yeah. to just start a church and just get yeah. I can't even say white people because there's pastors all around here. Oh man, you know, e- equal opportunity exploiters. You know, religion thing, yep. and I say whatever works for you, you do that shit. So, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I'm not going to rain on anybody's anybody's joy and faith, but I, I do criticize the fruits of some of these larger organizations that don't let people in during hurricanes and shit right. that seems like it would be <laughs> a no brainer. <laughs> right. And they're like, well, structurally, it's like if you're doing for people you know i'm all for that definitely you don't have to manipulate people and convince them of things to just be a good person right, right. to help humanity and, yes. and i try you know my heart is yeah and we see it and that's why i wanted to bring you on and and put you in the spotlight and just amplify it. you because i think you're a wonderful person i think you're doing wonderful amazing things and everybody get out to everything that you're doing shows expos yeah. it's, it's really dope i'm i'm really i'm really shocked and proud of myself all at you the should same be time. you should be it is it, it, it's not it's not an easy feat it's easy to come up with the ideas you know for yeah. a creative like it's easy to visualize it truly but the execution is where it's always hard and you're executing and that is tremendously yeah. encouraging and then after i got body. that kidney i was just like we finna do this we yeah we finna do everything and then when i got sick again i was like you weren't doing everything you was just doing comedy <laughs> right <laughs> like what about all the other stuff that you originally wanted to do and and i always tell people bloom where your planet use what you got right now because That's if right. you keep waiting on that one day well one day when i have this well one day when i'll do this It'll never happen. Even locationally, I, I always have a soft spot for, you know, Rockford, Beloit, Freeport comedy. And in my mind, it was always like, well, when I get to Chicago, I'll really become a comedian. And it's the same shit. It's the yep. same. There's more people, but it's the same shit. Everybody used to tell me, oh, you got to get out of Beloit. You got to get out of Beloit. You got to go to New York. You got to go to Chicago. You got to go to LA. I'm like, I got kids. Yeah, right. 
<laughs> and there's a need for it where you're at. There's a, a one so could argue I, there's a bigger that's need. That's what I tell people now. You ain't got to leave town to be dope, no. to be great. Right. You can stay where you at. Right. They still live in Ohio. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> On purpose in the, the middle of nowhere. In the world. He lives in Ohio. Yep. Yeah, yeah, so you can be great no matter where you are. Definitely. And on that note, we will say have a good night. It was a pleasure thank chatting you so with you. And thank you for saying yes to it. I mean, it was kind of, you know, hey, you want to do this? Yep, I'm there. So I appreciate you. For- get to everything, Jeff. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. And again, you know, go check her out on, on social media. Go check her out live. Buy her books. Um, go to the expos, keep the money in the community and away from, you know, big Walmarts and all that shit. Um, but yes, it was, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much. And I hope to chat with you real soon. All right. All right. Have a good night. Bye. Thank you for listening to Jeff isn't working. If you enjoy the podcast, please share it with your friends, family, loved ones. I'm going to try to put these out weekly. One thing that I kind of committed to during the pandemic was to do creative endeavors just for the sake of creative endeavors. So even if this doesn't reach a wide audience, which I don't honestly expect it to, I appreciate that you took the time to listen to it. And I think that by listening to each other's stories and really meeting each other where we're at, we can do a lot to repair the divides that exist between us individually. So that's the goal of this whole project. And if you know of someone interesting that you feel like their story should be told, uh, do not hesitate to contact me. Get a hold of me. Um, You can find me at Jeff Schroeder on Instagram, at Jeff Schroeder on Twitter, uh, Facebook, not the guy from Big Brother, uh, the other one, the bald one. With the smoking hot wife and the profile pic. Um, but yes, I would love to chat with people and hear their story and really just kind of broadcast that story out to anybody willing to to listen to the plight and struggle of a fellow human being and glean some wisdom from their experience um, and also some potential cautionary uh, from their tales. So thank you again. And until next time. I'm Jeff saying thanks for listening.